If you've been on Tumblr since around 2011 like I have, you've probably seen the artwork of Danny Haas in some way, shape, or form. You may have seen his Clark Kent and Superman piece, which has a line right down the middle showing both characters. He eventually kickstarted an entire book of drawings in that style called Half and Half. Danny also does licensed Lucasfilm work. He's done covers for the Marvel Cinematic Universe series of books and much more. As you can imagine, he's a huge Star Wars fan. In this episode, we talked about Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace, and how it kickstarted his love affair with the universe. I'm your old pal Slim, and this is Link in Bio. I watched it last night, and you know, I actually watched the making of right after i like stayed oh, up until it's a midnight really good making of it's fantastic it reminded me a lot of the last jedi's making of the the director and the jedi i don't think they've done a good documentary for the most recent ones since i mean the the last jedi one was probably the best i've seen yeah because i loved watching ryan johnson's like process because he's caught so much crap recently and i kind of feel it makes me feel bad for him because he's he was passionate about it it's nuts i was saying how i feel so badly for him because he did his vision for his star wars movie and like mark hamill was just like so against it while filming (laughs) that must have been such a downer for him to not get like you know probably one of his idols to buy in during filming it's crazy to watch mark come around on it too because he kind of did at the end. I, I wonder how much of it was, I need to save face maybe with this. But um, if I was Kathleen Kennedy, I would have slapped him around <laughs> during the press tour. <laughs> like when he came out and said that yeah. he couldn't believe it. or and I would have oh, been man. like, Mark, let's have a chat real quick yeah, here. Yeah, we can CGI you out. <laughs> <laughs> we make puppets. Remember. <laughs> so when we were, were talking about a topic for this episode, you I can't remember if I saw you tweet about phantom menace or somewhere where you Mm -hmm. had talked about it it um you you think it gets too much crap or you you enjoyed it it's it holds a different kind of place in your heart than maybe most star wars fans maybe new casual fans but when did that start for you where what were you at when phantom menace was like announced and star wars was coming back where were you at around then i was probably i think i was about i was either 16 or turning 16 so i was in high school sophomore probably Mm. and i wasn't a star wars fan like i didn't know it wow my family growing up aren't sci-fi fanatics to say the least we were sports and anytime the sports field was open we were playing baseball or basketball or something so i didn't grow up with Star Wars. And even when they did the remasters in 97, we didn't watch them then either. Hmm. So I didn't, I knew of it. I knew the jokes, the I'm your father crap and all that stuff. And <laughs> so when Star Wars was happening, I was like, what is this? Why is it such a big deal? I didn't understand. And then I went, I didn't, I think we went opening night and it was mind blowing to me. It was my hmm. like first Star Wars and I was the crowd, like when the, the the title hits and the crowd goes nuts. And I'm like, what yeah. is this fandom right now? Like, how do I be a part of this? And it was a crazy introduction to Star Wars for me, I think, because it was like magical, that experience, because people are so excited, mm-hmm. like super excited about this movie. I think I might have been a sophomore as well. And I remember 
when the remastered versions came out, I felt like it was kind of like a second wave of Star Wars fandom. Like when I think it was, I don't know if it was Hasbro or Kenner who did the the modern wave of the toys when they came out around the re-releases. Mm-hmm. That's when like it got like another generation of fans yeah. to watch it. Because I was watching the VHSs yeah, when they were crazy. on like TV. I was getting the special editions. I was seeing like what scenes were different from the originals. And I remember going to see this in theaters and I wonder if your view of Phantom Menace is the way it is because this was like your introduction for the most part. Like you kind of were like a clean slate almost and you didn't have that kind of like expectation. I was like the target audience for it because like I was young. I wasn't the kid aspect that they were shooting like for the Jar Jar aspect, but it didn't bother me. But I think it was getting the new crowd and I was part of that new crowd. And I remember sitting there thinking, what have I missed? Like, how did I miss the original trilogy? Why? Then I was angry. Like, why did my parents show this to me? Because we watched all like the Marvel cartoons and it wasn't. Uh-huh. Car- comics were always a part of my life, but not Star Wars. And I don't know why they didn't introduce that to me. But then when I watched this, it was almost like diving headfirst into this. Mm-hmm. I was I was mind blown. Well, how did you view the movie when you first saw it? Were you like, this is a great movie. I need to then (laughs) dig into everything from here. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Hmm. I went, uh, I was dating my now wife because we've been dating since we were- First grade. Yeah, (laughs) basically (laughs) uh, since like sixth grade. But so my my mother-in-law is a massive nerd. She had the VHSs of the original trilogy and I just stole them. I took them, went home watched them and that was it i mean that's how i got into star wars how do you view the phantom menace now since you were <laughs> you've you've taken everything in you've yeah. taken the originals in you've taken the new ones in um has that changed in any way how you view the phantom menace or does it still stay the same it has its moments where i still feel the same about it but then there's the aspects of how the internet has tainted me <laughs> mm-hmm. um i don't i don't mind jar jar I don't mind some of the storytelling. I feel like the Metachlorian stuff gets kind of... Out there. Yeah. But um, I still feel it's one of the best. I mean, it's so weird to say because it's so... I don't know. I think the most vocal people hate it. And so, mm-hmm. it's kind of frustrating. I feel like I'm the opposite when it comes to like... Uh, like I, I get to the point where I'm just mad at people who don't like it. <laughs> and it's funny to me. And I don't, I don't know why. I just get angry. Uh, when I was watching it uh, last night... For the first time in I don't know how long, I tried to kind of view it with fresh eyes. And the last time I did this for a movie that was like so divisive was Man of Steel. Mm. Like I saw Man of Steel in theaters and I was like super wishy-washy on it. And the second time I watched it, I tried to view it as not like a comic book fan. Right. Whereas someone who didn't read hundreds of different stories that were in my view, better. Yeah. I actually really liked Man of Steel the second time around with that kind of view. I I really enjoyed that movie, actually. I, I don't know if I, I enjoyed it the first time I watched it. Yeah. It took I, me a I minute. Definitely didn't. And I, I, I don't know. I just saw it as it, taken at its own, in its own world, in its own like cinematic universe mm-hmm. without the backstory. I thought I really liked it. Like I liked the relationship with his dad. I liked how he <laughs> like couldn't uh save him in that tornado scene. God, I hated that scene. <laughs> oh my god. When he sticks when Costner sticks his hand out to stop him, I'm like, no, uh-huh. no Superman can do this. 
There's like 15 people there. They can't keep that secret. They're going to blab <sighs> to the internet. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I was like, you could do this, bro. Come on. He probably could have done it without anyone seeing him, but it's the principle of the matter. <laughs> right. You understand? <laughs> so I, I tried to do that same thing with Phantom Menace, and I was thinking it's kind of flip-flopped because um, when – you know, there's obviously the callback like right away with Kenobi. He like says to Qui-Gon, you know, I've got a bad feeling about yeah, this. Right away. There's a couple scenes where he mentions like Yoda, like offhandedly. Mm-hmm. You know, and at this point, Yoda isn't kind of like shown on screen. I was like thinking to myself, like, oh man, this is pretty early on. They're just mentioning Yoda as a character as opposed to just kind of like kooky dead Yoda who right. taught Luke in the swamps. Right. And at the time that must've been like the coolest thing ever. Like just the anticipation of seeing Yoda on screen as like a living character, because I feel like this movie is a, is a really strange time capsule from having the original trilogy to this and then two and three, like the, the kind of like prestige Phantom Menace has that, but like it, it wears off because it, this was the first Right. of its kind and it still kind of looks like like retro and dated because it walks the line between all cgi and some live action mm-hmm. whereas it like gets kind of crazy towards two and three with so much cgi and it really is crazy when you watch the um the making of how much practical they really did mm-hmm. and like building those pod race those pod race engines that are like two stories tall just yeah. to like to think that they didn't even bother just to like, let's just CGI it, but we're going to build every pod racer and it's just mm-hmm. going to be massive. And this undertaking is like, it's like, why? Like, why would you do that if you're going <laughs> to yeah. CGI everything? I mean, like what they did with Jar Jar, like they have yeah. him in that, they have a mod best in that suit. And then they went ahead and just animated over him anyway. Yeah. They just used him for tracking a hundred thousand dollar suit. Just for just to be taken out of the movie, I know. And then, like, they filmed the whole movie. They're talking about the the best of which you can watch on YouTube on Star Wars channel. But they talk about how they're going to do two different methods to animate Jar Jar. So they film with the guy in the movie the whole time. He's there in all the scenes with like a big hat on. That's essentially (laughs) Jar Jar's head. And so afterward, they're like, "Well, we did two different methods, and the one without using the tracking actually worked a lot better." So right. I think even Lucas was like, uh, so that cost us yeah. how much money and you ended up just going the other way. Exactly. Um, which is crazy because I feel like this is like on the line of like right before everything was CGI. Yeah. And, you and can catch he, like even, that. he even talks about it in the making of like, yeah. if this is successful, if we're successful with Jar Jar, this is going to change everything and you're going to have a lot more work to do. Yeah. And the moment when he's talking to John Knoll and he's like, and Noel kind of looks at him like, we can't, we can't do this. And then George is just kind of like, well, you just have to figure out how to do it. And then once we do that, we're changing the game. And it's like, and they do. And that's what's amazing about this movie. Yeah. Because we hadn't had anything like this yet. And I find George Lucas's personality to be incredibly strange. I don't know. Oh, just I don't his know kind if I of like with him. <laughs> it's so frustrating <laughs> no to watch. I just, way. He has no emotion either. Like he's got, he's got he no emotion, is he and he can just this? kind of like ramble about nothing. <laughs> like he, he half the documentary is him just going off, with like talking to himself about random stuff. Like if I was in the room, I'm like George, I don't care. We need to move forward and like continue on this project. <laughs> we just had a sandstorm. Everything is destroyed. We don't care, George. <laughs> And he was, but he was right on. Like he gets a lot of crap for the, for the prequels, but he was very 
uh, forward thinking about how this movie was going to change everything. Mm -hmm. And it really did. Yeah. In terms of computer generated graphics. And the part that really stuck out at me too was in the documentary, which I think gets propped up in like nerd news sites every couple of years. Mm -hmm. But in the documentary, they do that rough cut screening and they're kind of like realizing that it's not perfect and mm. some of the pacing is is problematic and it's pretty far into the process. Yeah, it's and the, I don't even dying. really know if they really <laughs> even changed anything because he's like, we can change a little timing things here and there, but this is just the way it's going to be. Right. It's so crazy. I, I was reading one of my buddy's reviews on Letterboxd and he talked about how this is kind of a quintessential Star Wars film. It's very deep in politics. Um which is very Star Wars, you know, the early trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um, And the main standouts are John Williams' score and the Jedi lightsaber battle scene, which is like still probably the the best, one of the best, if not the best in the entire series. It's it's up there for sure. I mean, that, because we had, it's funny when you watch the movie and you you get into, you know of Darth Maul, you're coming into that scene that we saw in the trailer when he takes that hood off, he's got the horns, the double lightsaber lights up. It's like, that's, that gives you the chills. It still does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah. and then you just see the confidence in Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan just walking up to him like, we got this. Like, you guys go that way. We got this right now. And it's like, man. And then it's just, and then the Duel of Fates kicks in. And oh my God. That score is perfect for that scene. It's it actually, it's half the scene. I mean, it really is. I mean, you yeah. have the, the battle, but... John Williams' score in that part is, like, unreal. And I feel like that score hasn't even been topped. Like, 1999, (laughs) this came out. In terms of, like, Star Wars Universe, I can't think of another Duel of Fates-esque, like, chorus. There hasn't been, and there could have been. I mean, when you get to Episode 3, that last battle of Anakin, it's just so... Anakin-Obi-Wan's fight is so emotional anyway. I think you kind of... You're so focused on their fight Mm -hmm. and not what's being played, but so much of... Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Darth Maul, you're just, you're in it for that moment. Visually, it's nuts. Yeah. The the pillars of light and the levels that they're fighting over, it's just a, it's a gorgeous scene. It's still, still it still holds up. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful scene. There's like, there's those scenes in this, in this movie where it's like the CG is, you know, it's just interacting with the live action. It's kind of, it's just jarring some of it. But then this. Yeah. It's like this, they're like, we need this to look perfect. And they did, and they nail it. It's emotional, and the music, and visually, it's stunning. How about in the making of where John Williams and George Lucas are talking about potentially leaving the choir out of oh, that scene? That, <laughs> and George is like, that way, you got to have that in there. Yeah. I, I, when, I didn't realize that that was even a question. Like, the, the, the choir, I mean, that makes that scene. It's just epic. And George even references, he's like talking to John Williams and he's like, you don't know this now, but this scene is going to, this music's going to play a part in the third movie. Hmm. And he's like, it's all going to come back. It's going to come full circle. And that was like how many years before the third movie even started production. And he realizes that that's going to come back full circle, which is pretty bonkers. Yeah. I mean, the one thing you can credit George with is just being an amazing visionary. And that's mm-hmm. what he's done with these movies for sure. What did you think of um, Anakin Skywalker, his his overall overarching plot of of being a slave and like his main driving force was to come back and, and free everyone 
by becoming a Jedi. I can I mean, I kind of love that. And in coming into it, it, you know, it's funny. I didn't know Anakin was Vader when I first see this movie because I didn't know mm. um, what his outcome. And so I was like, because coming into it, I'm just. I know a Vader. I know he's a Skywalker. I know he's Luke's dad, but I didn't think that we were coming all the way back full circle. And so once I realized that, I'm like, man, he really turns. Like he he has this heart of being like, I'm going to free the slaves and come back to my mother. And Yoda's spot on where he's talking about how it's it's going to change him. Like his thoughts on his, he dwells on his mother so much. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a big emotional like anchor for him. I like how it plays out in the rest of the movies where it's still affecting him. Um, and that's kind of what, when he goes back, kills the Raiders. I mean, that's yeah. the beginning of like his turn where, you know, we see this happen in him. And so watching him as a kid, I mean, I love it. I love, I love the idea of it. Um, seeing him just innocent, but he's a slave. He's living in this hard, harsh environment with his mm-hmm. mother. No father. I didn't even realize I, when I was watching it last night, I had to go on Wikipedia like right after because <laughs> they were talking about his father. And I was like, yeah, who is Darth Vader's father? And then like two seconds later, uh, his mother alludes to an immaculate conception pretty yeah. much to Anakin. I was like, how do I not remember that after <laughs> all these years? Deal. It is a big deal. It's so crazy. <laughs> and it's still... And it's still awkward to me, I think. I still can't wrap my head around it. I th- when I th- think of it being, because it's very, uh, it's very Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. like immaculate. A little, little on the nose. It, it is. And it's, and, but it's opposite when he, storytelling, because he turns into Vader. <laughs> Jesus does <Yeah>. not. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The crux of the Star Wars universe yeah. is what if Jesus went bad? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine George in those pitch meetings and oh the behind the gosh. scenes. I guess maybe they cut those scenes out. Yeah, it's like, exactly. but it's all about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, you see, he goes bad. And that's what happens in space. Oh, man. Yeah, sure, George. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do love Anakin. I love young Anakin a lot, actually. Um, his confidence is pretty rad when it comes to being the best. And I like how that ties into the pilot aspect of him and then luke and all that kind of stuff so yeah yeah i liked the pot like again having going through this with fresh eyes haven't seen anything for for many years and don't really read anything outside of maybe a rare tweet someone bashing the movie but (laughs) i really enjoyed the pod racing scene yeah i love the 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 audio of the scene was so top notch um going around the curves everything sounded so cool so realistic um and i loved the idea of it and I remember around the time this movie came out, I remember being inundated with pod racing everything. Yeah. Like there was like, you know, Burger King cups, there was video games for like PlayStation, whatever. Yeah. Um, but now y- years removed, I thought it was actually really well done. It was a cool um, addition to the Star Wars universe that they don't even come back to anymore, which is kind of weird to me. Yeah. Um, not because everything is revolved around like gambling and cards now, but um <laughs> Yeah, it was a fun scene. It might be like ten minutes too long, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like. It is I, long. I think one of my favorite parts of it is the uh, coming around that bend and the Tuscan Raiders just popping shots at them, and it was just it was a fun because that's a throwback to original trilogy. I mean, that's throwing mm-hmm. the Tuscan Raiders back in there, and it's pretty cool. That was fun. 
I remember thinking too in that scene, I was like, man, those Tuscan Raiders just won't leave poor Anakin alone. Wait, wait a few more years, Anakin. Oh, yeah, that's so true. You're going to be so that. pissed. Oh, man, yeah. He's coming back for you. God. And then even in that scene, they throw and they bring in Jabba and they have Bib Fortuna standing there. And yeah, it's, it's pretty rad. It's a cool scene. I feel like I should know this, but in the original theatrical release, Yoda was a puppet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they was, went back and changed it. Yeah, he was a very ugly puppet. <laughs> His mouth was so huge because I yeah. remember the behind the scenes they were like pulling Yoda out, and I was like, "Oh my god, I <laughs> yeah, forgot about rough. this." And yeah, and then they changed. I don't think they changed. I don't remember when they changed it to CG. Uh, the other parts too that cracked me up was C three PO. Um, or R2-D2 kind of makes his first appearance and saves the day. Mm-hmm. And Padme and friends kind of like pull in R2-D2 to like congratulate him yeah. on a job well done. I'm like thinking yeah. to myself, like, why would they pull a droid in to like give yeah. him a high five? Like, that just is kind go of back to your job. You're a droid. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just did your job. We're not going to yeah. bring, bring you in here and give you a medal. Yeah. Thank you for doing your job. Let's talk about Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, topic sure. on everyone's everyone's mind listening right now. Why don't they get to Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> and I, we referenced the making of it's it's a fantastic. It's an hour long. I watched it right after the movie, and it's uh, super cool to see them the planning stages of Jar Jar. Like, and it's super a deep comment from George. Like, if we need to get Jar Jar Binks right, they're looking at like sketches of Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. Like, if we get Jar Jar right, like this is this is we're in the clear, and. It makes sense, too, to include a character, like a fun-loving kind of joke, like the comedy aspect of the movie included. But it's so ballsy to make that a CGI all character. Yeah. 1999. It doesn't feel that far far away, but it really was in terms of like on-screen CGI. Yeah. And I didn't mind him that much this time around. Like yeah. having been removed so many years, I was like, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not I like, oh my understand. God, this is the worst thing ever. It, yeah, it exactly. wasn't like that when I watched it last night. Yeah, I really, I still don't understand the need to hate it so much that it ruins the movie for you. But I don't, I really don't get it. I really don't. Visually, he's a fun character. He fits in the Star Wars universe with all mm-hmm. the uh, different types of aliens and creatures that they've created. He's, there's no, there's no denying that he doesn't fit the universe visually. the goofiness of him um i don't know i think it plays along with the fact that we have a young anakin we have kitster we have these young characters in these movies um there's no reason that he doesn't fit i mean maybe there's a couple scenes where we could tone him back a little bit the i think i think the biggest aspect of jar jar which like kind of irks people is the the talking yeah so like this his like the vocal sound of his voice and then just the weird words the misas the uses mm-hmm. the bombad and all that kind of stuff i mean we're not ready for that i don't think i no. think that may have been the problem also i i, f- I feel like too you mentioned people in the theaters like hooting and hollering when the logo came up the expectations mm-hmm. were like <laughs> insanely high like fever yeah. pitch like people are salivating in yeah. theaters and like people were fainting just getting their tickets yeah they i think jar jar was just like a left turn when people were expecting george to go right and no matter <laughs> what that character was it was going to be like this is not good at all yeah. like i hate because there wasn't a character like this in the original trilogy i mean i think 3po had probably the most jokes in the ot and 
it was a droid, so it didn't matter, I don't think, as much. But there wasn't this funny comedic character throughout. And so I think, yeah, I think it's just a crazy left turn, like you said. And I think that I think people are used to that kind of like funny droid because Rogue One had yeah. uh, a droid like sidekick character. I feel like that's kind of commonplace almost like, I don't know if that's become a writing crutch at this point where there's just like a funny <laughs> wisecracking droid, droid. <laughs> and George just went a totally different direction. Yeah. Poor Jar Jar. The other thing too, I remember reading the, the midichlorians are talked about in this movie super briefly where Gwai Khan talks about how in all life there are these microscopic things that give power to the force. Mm-hmm. And very, very like, I think at the, when I saw this in films and I was like, what are you talking about? Just, just vaguely talk about the force, please. That's what I want. Not these <laughs> microscopic organisms that control yeah. the force. Had you read that article where I think he did an interview with James Cameron, where his original plan for the new trilogy that's being made now was to like go back into the creators of the midichlorians. How crazy was that? Yeah. Interview? Like heavy into midichlorians. Super again. Like, heavy. You realize nobody liked that. <laughs> Like, at all. <clears throat> I'm a fan of the movie, and I'm not even sure that I'd be okay with Metachlorians being brought up again. An, Can an we entire just trilogy <laughs> of the Metachlorian backstory. Yeah. Not even Skywalker. He's like, F Skywalkers. People want the Metachlorians. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just funny. It's even, I think it's a lot more jarring as well, because you, we talk about the Force so much in original trilogy, and it's never about these organisms. It's all about, you know, feelings and, uh, you know, in touch with like the, like surroundings and all this stuff. It, mm-hmm. instead of bring up like to make this a thing, to make this an object or something that you can achieve was kind of weird to me. And mm-hmm. I, I, they bring, they come back to it a little bit in Last Jedi, I think, where anyone can be a Jedi or anyone can use the force. I feel like that was an overarching kind of story for that and which kind of erases metachlorians i think i don't know but yeah one of the things i read about um when it comes to it it's like we can be good at something like you can throw a baseball but you can be really good at it and that's like the level of metachlorians in you and i was like i don't understand i'm like what like no can we just like not do that please I feel like in that rough cut, everyone's rolling their eyes at the midichlorian <laughs> scene. Just kind of like to turn like, around oh, looking at each other while George is watching. It's higher than Yoda's. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for him to pull out like a lab chart. It's higher than Master Yoda's. <laughs> he even had like metrics. He's like 20. He's, what did he say? It was like 20,000. Over 20,000. Yeah. <laughs> Are they oh, like man. taking blood and looking at the vial they did. under a microscope? They, oh, they pricks, did. I pricks it. Anakin's uh, his <laughs> arm or something. He's I don't know what he's doing. He's like he pricks him, and then Anakin's like, "Ow!" And he's like, "I'm just checking your blood for infections." Like that's assault, man. <laughs> you just assaulted a child. But yeah, and then he like sends a blood sample to Obi Wan. I'm like, this is oh, that's weird. I loved the. And, and again, I, I keep referencing looking back at the time when this movie came out, I feel like the only thing I ever saw in this trilogy were those dopey droid army and their machines. But now, having been removed from all of that, I loved the overall design of this film. Yeah. And I feel like it it's not like a copy of anything. It's more of like a 
even though it takes place years in advance, years early, it's like an evolution of the design. And I loved that this movie has its distinctive design like from the ships, mm-hmm. to the pod racing to the dr- design of the droids. Yeah. I felt it all. I, f- I feel like it's aged super well, you know, CG aside. The cool thing about it was, is like, Yeah, the evolution of design, but also they go back into a time in Star Wars where war hasn't taken place yet. So everything's clean, like you have this like great aspect and you're leading into like the Clone Wars and then Attack of the Clones and everything's coming into this big separation between Empire and Rebellion. And so like you see this pristine like landscape where you're ready to like for this battle to start and Visually, I love the designs of the droids so much. Um, it was a crazy direction they took. I wish they would have in that making of. I think it maybe it was in the second one that I saw where they did spend a lot of time with the designers. Mm-hmm. But the the making of for the first one didn't spend enough time with the people actually like designing the the movie itself. Yeah. It was a lot of George um, and the producer. And not enough of kind of like the the people that are putting the time in to design the ships. Like even the ship that Amidala's ship, yeah, it's like this super retro, futuristic, yeah, gorgeous, so sleek. Yeah, it's amazing. The idea of that metallic finish or the the mirror finish on that ship was mm-hmm. amazing. The other part that struck me too was, um, in the movie, Anakin, you know, accidentally does something that kind of Luke does with the Death Star later in the series mm. where he's responsible for getting into the enemy ship and destroying something to save the day. Yeah. And in the making of George references this and how he kind of sounds like a jerk when he says it, like, you know, pompous, <laughs> he's like, it's poetry. Or he does it in his, his George voice. It's like, well, it's poetry. And, uh, they, these, these repeating stanzas down, you'll see the stanzas that come up again with Luke. But it was funny that he would say this, as kind of like this reference to how it happens again. Whereas in a force awakens, you did see that and the death star, like everything kind of happened again. And that pissed like a lot of people off when I remember having people at work that love star Wars, they hated force awakens because they felt it was just like a rehash. And it really is. If you think about it, it's what's sad (laughs) because I love it. But then if you think about it, we have the death star again, we have the trench run again. We have, you know, blowing up the reactor again. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think about the how J.J. approached that movie. Yeah. And uh, I love it, I think, because it, it, it takes another time in my life where I get to share this with my kids. And so their reactions were crazy. Um, it's just funny because I didn't expect, like, you have that, that like, as a parent, you want your kids to, you know, have independence but I want them to love Star Wars <laughs> as much as I do. <laughs> and so I didn't really throw them into it early, but all of my oldest daughter, she loves it. It's great. And so when she saw the trailer for Force Awakens, she almost teared up when Han steps onto the Falcon. And so Casey and I, my wife, saw we saw the movie before her. And then we find out Han dies. And like, oh my gosh, this is going to break Olive. <laughs> oh my God. And in the theater, she bawls. Like she loses it. And I'm like feel this let this feel it like love this let like it consume you to the, yeah yeah no i love the force awakens it's a lot of fun what in terms of uh the vast tv shows comics movies produced in the star wars universe and like the legend stuff what's your what's your tops what's your favorite oh man that's tough actually i haven't seen any of rebels i haven't seen 
Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, but I think Clone Clone Wars is the one made by the guy who did Samurai Jack, right? Correct. The yeah, mi- Dave. The mini episodes. I need mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah, and Dave actually did a lot of Last Airbender as well. Uh, mm. I don't know if you saw that. No. Uh, Avatar. That's a fantastic cartoon. But Clone Wars was great. I loved it. But Rebels takes a whole nother direction. Uh, it's a, I mean, it still has Ahsoka, which carries over from Clone Wars, but I think I do love, that's like top for me right now is the animation they've done with these movies and the stories they're telling because Rebels is like leading up to Rogue One. And even in Rogue One, you see the ships from Rebels. You mm-hmm. see the one of the droids from Rebels. You hear the voice of an actress from Rebels. And so it's like, it's really cool watching how these different um, mediums in the Star Wars universe now are all tying together. I think they've done an amazing job with that. Coming over to Marvel with the comics and then the cartoons and how they're just all like meshing is, is pretty badass. And I'm loving yeah. it. Um, especially the book just came out where it's dealing with Luke, the comic, and he, he is leading what is going to be Rebel Squadron into battle. And he's like, if we're going to do this, we'll do this for Jin. And he's like, let's go Rogue Squadron. So it's like he names Rogue Squadron now after Jin and what the Rebel Rogue One did wow. on Scarif, which is like just tying everything in. It's bringing Jin you know, into with Luke now. And it's just like, it's a crazy universe that they are now building. And it's, it's amazing to watch happen. Can you imagine being like in that team that is responsible for like tying all those threads together? (laughs) No, I can't. And I've met with, um, a guy who's a part of Lucasfilm story group and I would not want his job at all. Cause you have to know everything. You have to be right about everything all the time. Cause you have to deal with whiny, man babies yeah who if you get something wrong it will like haunt you forever yeah and i would not want that job i would not want to deal with them at all i remember when right before force awakens came out marvel was producing a comic book i think called shattered empire that took place after jedi it's so good it's super good and i remember combing over that book for like bits and pieces because i think in they talk about one of like the jedi tree or plant yes at that time and i think luke rescues poe dameron's parents yes. too, right he, he fights with his mom and then he gives her a piece of the tree as a gift so poe grew up around a force sensitive tree man which is crazy it's like is poe gonna have some sort of abilities, but just even tying in Poe Dameron's family with Luke is nuts. I love that book so much. And at the time it wasn't that big of a deal, but like looking back, you know, the for the foresight to have those comics, comics like written. And I'd love to, to see like when they, I think Greg Rucka maybe wrote that. Uh, I feel like it was Greg Rucka. I might be wrong or Jason Aaron, but I'd love to know like what kind of story notes they give the writer. Like you can do this, but you have to do these bullet points. These have to happen in this story. There has to be something like that. There has to be. Because so much of it's tying together. What did you think of Last Jedi? I I enjoyed it a lot. I I mean, it, it is a Star Wars that we've never gotten before, which I, I like that they took a very risky direction. My favorite character in the universe is Luke. So, I was super nervous coming in to it, knowing what Mark had said, seeing what was in the trailers. Uh, 
and I kind of liked it. There was a few aspects of Ray I'm not enjoying. I didn't enjoy her moment of like the force, her force cave or whatever, where really? she went down and visually that was crazy. How come? I don't know. I think I'm getting annoyed with uh, worrying about who her family is. Like I don't, I'm starting to not care. That that's driving me nuts. It's like, is she going to be a Skywalker? If not, fine. Let's oh, move so you on. Think it, you think it's still open? Oh yeah, I still think oh. I still think um, that Kylo is still playing with her, breaking her down, like making her into nothing, so that she comes to his side. I think that what he was still trying to do to her. You mean the greatest I, scene in the history of Star Wars, where he tells her <laughs> she's nothing but not to me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. God, I just started like crawling on the theater floor, like <laughs> reaching for the theater screen. It was so good. Oh my God, I wanted to just um, marry Kylo Ren at that moment. He's. I, I think Adam was a perfect choice for Kylo. Oh I love God, him as an actor. Yeah. Um, and the coming out of that scene where they fight the Praetorian guards. I mean, that, that scene alone is unreal. I mean, visually watching both of them fighting side by side oh. against those guards were nuts. Like, cause we watched the red guard, the, you know, the, the, the ones that guard the emperor in the old movies, like, what can they actually do? Mm-hmm. And now we saw like what they're trained to be like. And that was and those, amazing. Those, those action figures were worthless. They just wore that like red cloak. <laughs> their hands were at the their worst sides. <laughs> like they could drop kick people. That's what they could do yeah, as toys. Exactly. <laughs> Danny, that reminds me, if you're looking for a red cloak of your own, have you considered having it crocheted? If you want Star Wars clothing for your next cosplay outing, consider half double design, not your granny's crochet. A man is waiting to hear about your custom request and you won't regret it. Check out halfdoubledesign.com for more. How about in the making of that of the director and the Jedi when they had that like AR tablet in the in the throne room? So they like held up the tablet oh, to the walls yeah. and they could see the red and like, what it was going to look like. That was amazing. Yeah, can you imagine George playing with that tech now? <laughs> <laughs> He'd be re-editing the movie on the tablet on the, while they were filming the it. Spot, yeah, on the spot <laughs> editing. So, um, do you think? I, it's interesting your theory about uh, Ray because now I would worry that if they reveal in the third movie that she's a Skywalker or a Kenobi, I would view that as the man babies claiming that as a victory mm, and yeah. that they like did that to make them feel better. The only, the only reason I still think that there's some sort of backstory with Ray is, uh, when Maz is talking about the lightsaber calling out to her and that's clearly a Skywalker relic. And so it's like that was Anakin's to Luke's to hers now. And it's like, there has to be something to that. It was never tied up and now it's ripped in half. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I still think there's probably something if not fine, but I'm tired of talking about it. Like I'm tired of like seeing like, Oh, you're nothing. Like, it's fine. Let's move on. Let's, let's uh-huh. let her be a badass because she is one. Like, I love Ray as a character, but let's, let's get past this like family drama that we're going into now. The third movie talking about it. And so I think the one, you know, what's crazy is a little thing I'm actually looking forward to f- seeing happen in the third uh, installment is when Poe damn, cause Poe is so, 
uh, tied to Leia, like as a, as a, like right hand guy. I still don't, like he hasn't fully grasped that Kylo is her son. And like, I'm ready for that recollection to happen to him and seeing how that changes his relationship with her. I know it's mm. going to be tough now that she's dead, but I feel like that's a big deal. And it drives me nuts that we're not going to see like a full, like now that Carrie's dead, like this great Leia performance in the last movie. Mm-hmm. There's just so much left undone. It's kind of a, it's a major bummer. Yeah. I, my secret hope for the third movie is that it be, it, it comes back around to Finn and Ray. Yeah. And like they're, they have like a huge chunk of the movie together. Like I just love their relationship in the first movie. Like it was so perfect. Yeah. Just the way they played off each other and their relationship. And mm-hmm. I secretly hope, like I wish that there was, uh, you know, Rose came into play in the second movie and kind of is sidelining in my view of the movie, like anything between Finn and uh, Ray. Yeah. So I, I wonder what the dynamics are going to be like in the third movie. Cause I think it takes place several years into the future. At least that's my right. presumption. And the last thing we need is some love triangle. <laughs> <laughs> in episode nine. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be love triangles at the wazoo with all these characters. You know? yeah, and then you see Poe like introduce himself to Ray at the end. Like, Oh, <laughs> He's stepping in with those dreamy eyes. Watch out. <laughs> Every scene hair. he's in is dripping machismo. I and I just, I, I want to just it. kiss him on the cheek. Right? It's like, I can't, how am I sitting next to my wife right now watching this movie? <laughs> oh my gosh. So which of the original prequels do you like best? Revenge of the Sith is, I think, the best out of the three. I do. I actually don't like watching Attack the Clones at all ever mm. <laughs> it's it's just boring to me and that's a and there's a there's a few great scenes in it with obi-wan um i do find the movie kind of too long mm. i think i forgot about it. there's like a Django rain scene that i remember liking i think yep. yeah maybe there, there's a yeah on the in camino they fight on that platform with Django and obi-wan's kind of awesome mm-hmm. it's quick though yeah i don't know but if i'm gonna if i pick up a prequel to watch it's going to be episode one all the time i think i love qui-gon a lot and that's and i think he's probably a major underrated jedi in the universe for sure amazing Um, casting yeah oh liam was perfect for that role there's just like this there's this calm to him and i feel like not many of the jedi have it uh i think obi-wan learns it a lot from him uh like centering themselves. Like you see it at the end when he's fighting Darth Maul, when they're running through those force fields and it stops them in their tracks. And Maul is pacing like this tiger in a cage. But then, then Qui-Gon takes a knee. You see him close his eyes, like center himself in the force. It's like a powerful juxtaposition at the end when you're introduced into this like new Sith who's unreal. And then you're like introduced to a new Jedi who is just this, amazing presence on screen and like his death is like crazy powerful mm-hmm. um and you see it in their like fighting abilities like maul has him trapped in this like small area he has a stupid fighting stance like he's got qui-gon on the ropes and the cheap shot in the face right at the end i mean he gets him um and but the crazy thing about Qui-Gon is he never loses his hope. Like he tells Obi-Wan at the end to still train Anakin because he is the chosen one. Like he still has his mission. And then in his dying breath, he says, 
20,000 midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> off the charts. He's off the charts. <laughs> Higher than Yoda. <laughs> Just talking about uh, Darth Maul, you saw uh, and enjoyed Solo, I think, right? Oh, man. I about fell out of my chair when I saw Darth Maul. Like, I really enjoyed Solo. Oh, Solo was fantastic. It caught so much crap. And I, it's kind of sad because it tainted so many views. And then the amount of people that went and saw it kind of is a bummer because it's such a great installment to the franchise. I mean, I never thought... Uh, Alden was gonna pull off Solo very well, but I think he really captured, he captures the young Solo and he captures the optimistic Solo, which we hadn't have. We always have the beaten down Han, who is angry at everyone, but we have this different take on Solo and it worked for him because he's not Harrison. And so, uh, I was very happy with that. And Lando, I mean, Donald Glover's Lando is probably the smoothest thing they've done since Poe. Yeah. And so, I mean, I loved Solo a lot, but coming into like, you couldn't have, you couldn't have told me if you said Danny Darth Maul's in this movie. I said, you're out of your mind. First of all, <laughs> there's no way they're going to do this. And I was telling him, you're, you're crazy. Don't even spend your money on this movie. But when he reveals himself, I'm like, what are they planning right now? Because you yeah. can't leave this movie open now that they've done that. They have to, I mean, it's just the uh, the the directions they can go right now are in- infinite, really. I mean, if they introduce a Obi Wan movie, this would be it. Coming into him, meeting up with Maul in the desert. I mean, that's how the story. I mean, that's how the story has gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be another encounter between Obi Wan and Darth Maul, which would be glorious. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the internet and the news cycle <laughs> really ruined like solo before it even came out. They really did. Like if this were taking place in the eighties, you know, you would have maybe saw one byline in variety or some, whatever publication, like, you know, movie, movie releases monthly magazine for like $10, (laughs) like director change in solo. And then that that would have been it. And everyone still would have lined up to see solo. But now, you know, everything just catches fire. And I I was part of it. Like everything I saw, everything I read, I was like, is this going to be good? Two different right. directors? Like what's going and on? I was never an acting a fan. Coach? I was never a fan of Ron. I'm not a fan of Ron Howard enough to be like, oh, that's an amazing choice for a director. So yeah. I was, I was, I was with you on that. I was just kind of like, well, this is, this can't be good. Mm-hmm. This can't be good at all. And so, I mean, I was there opening night anyway, because I was excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it did. I mean, it, Still, like one of the most expensive movies of all time to make because they reshot, they pretty much shot two movies, Jeez. which is insane to me. I'd love to see some of the footage from the original oh, directors. I don't think we'll ever see that. I know, but can you imagine, like, how dreadful uh, must it have been for Kathleen Kennedy to be like, we need these idiots out of here? <laughs> it had to have been terrible. I even think I read that uh, Drayden Voss, the Paul Bettany's character, was even added by Ron. Like he wasn't wow. really even a part of that script to begin with. And I'm like, what was this movie? <laughs> 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 we'll never see it. There's no way it'll ever hit the light of day.
you you live uh, in Florida. This is a perfect segue into tw- I think mm. it's twenty. Is it this year that Galaxy's Edge opens in I think Disney? Twenty nineteen for us. Twenty nineteen. So next fall. Next yeah. fall. Okay, I thought it was this year for some reason. No. Not How yet. often do you go to Disney? Is it like every weekend? It's it's pretty often. <laughs> I mean, I'm leaving this podcast and going straight there. <laughs> The nice thing about Disney here for us is they actually love pass holders. So they give us cool events to go to and we have one tonight we're going to, but we go often. The nice thing is we can do fast passes and we go out for three rides and come back. So we don't have to spend an entire day. Oh there. my God. So, so it's with nice. A, with a pass holder, what does that mean for fast pass? You just get like three fast passes every day. Mm-hmm. What, what, oh oh yeah. my God. Yeah. We Amazing. can go. We just kind of pick our ride on the app and then go ride it and then come home. Spending like a few hours out there, so you have to sweat your ass off in Florida. My God, the dream. <laughs> what do you think uh, Disney's going to be like once this Star Wars park opens? Because I, I know a lot of people too, not a lot of people, I know other people that go to Disney like a few times a year, not mm-hmm. as much as you do. And they're kind of like trepidatious about the amount of people that is going to be in the parks when this I opens. I honestly don't know if I'll even bother for like the first couple months. Wow. I mean, I saw what it did with Harry Potter when it opened here, and it was like 12-hour waits to get into the park. And so Disney has just – I mean, they've built Star Wars in the smallest theme park with the smallest parking lot, and they've just now opened a bigger parking lot for it. It's still not going to be enough. It's going to be a nightmare, actually. I don't know when I'll go see it. Unless I can get into some pass holder preview, I'm going to avoid it like the plague, and it's going to kill me. Like, kill me. <laughs> because they just opened the Toy Story Land right next to it. And there's a roller coaster now. It's a tiny one. But it goes up high enough to see into Star Wars Land, what mm-hmm. they're building. And it's like, oh, my God, they put a ship in this week. And oh, my God, I got to go see this and that. And it's just like, there's no way I'm going out there opening day. I saw them do the YouTube video came out when we recorded this like a couple days ago where they did like the, the model set flyover yeah. where there's like a camera moving around and they, they use like a lot of different angles. Mm-hmm. And as I'm watching, I'm like that's not that big or it's not as big as I thought it was. And it looks, it reminds me of like they took Pandora and expanded it. It's like right. a bigger Pandora area and it looks awesome. Like I can't yeah. wait to see it, but I just like shudder to think Mm-mm. of how busy it's going to be, and then I totally forgot about the hotel experience yeah. that they're building, that, like, integrated, immersive Star Wars universe hotel experience. Yep, and you can see where they just cleared the land, and it's so close to the park. I wonder if how connected to the actual galaxy it's going to be, if you could go in as a, like, after hours as a park, as a hotel guest. Because mm. they say, like, it's going to be so immersive, you're not going to want to leave the hotel, which is unreal to me to think about what they're going to do. I, yeah, I read that article and they talked about how, there's no date set yet for the no. hotel, which I didn't realize. Um, but they said that like people that work at the hotel and the park, or at least the very at least the hotel, will be able to see who you are as you approach them and know your mm-hmm. planned storyline that yep. you're taking part of in the hotel. Yeah, which <laughs> is amazing. Like, what? Yeah, because they have the RFID magic bands. And so they've done newer things now where it doesn't track you in the park. But like, you know how like you ride a ride, it takes your photo. Like now it just knows you're on the ride and it sends the photo to my app without even like, I wouldn't even like go anywhere to get the photo. It's just there. Like it knows where I sat in the ride 
and then sent me the photo of the ride. And I'm just like, the thought of what they're going to do with Star Wars. Like, there's, like, different paths you take as a guest, and then that's how the, like, characters will interact with you when you walk up to them. And, yeah, that's unreal. And the thing is, they have the bar is set with Harry Potter. The the Wizarding World stuff they've done at Universal is still uh, so immersive and amazing what they've done there. So it's just down the road. So they know what they have to beat. And I'm I'm glad they get to duel with each other because we get to benefit from both. (laughs) Right. (laughs) When Amanda and I were in Disney um, last year, we went to Wizarding World. We actually really enjoyed Universal. I haven't been to Universal Mm -hmm. in like 20 years by that point. But Mm. seeing what, you know, the updated version of Universal, I really liked it. I, yeah. I hope that they continue trying to compete with Disney because really, yeah. I mean, we all win at that point. We do. I, and I'm st- I know you're a Simpsons fan. Oh, yeah. I'm super angry about my Back to the Future being removed for that terrible <laughs> Simpsons ride that they put in. <laughs> it's not very good. I don't even really like those rides. I have to, sometimes I have to like close my eyes. Like even yeah. those rides, I'll get motion sickness. But see, you got in the DeLorean. You got in the DeLorean for that ride and they took it out. <laughs> Anyway, isn't there some weird law or like contractual thing with like above the Mason Dixon line mm-hmm. universal gets to keep yeah. the superhero stuff? It's is that what it is? Dumb like that. Yeah. And they still put in Marvel stuff in universal and you pick it's up a shirt junk. and it says copyright Disney on it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I wonder how much of a buyout it would cost for <sighs> Disney to be like, listen, how much would you take for us to just get these characters back? Just give it or allow time us and to Disney's do something. just going to buy Universal. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's coming down the line, apparently. Everything's going to be Disney. You're going to walk out of your house. You're going to be probably, and a character is going to interact with you That's and you're not even near the park. <laughs> I'll take it. Outside of uh, Disney and Star Wars, what's your next in line for favorite uh, thing? Outside of Disney and Star Wars. You know, it is the Rocketeer. That's not really a franchise, though. That was like my, that was your original choice for this episode. But <laughs> um, that was probably like my first superhero movie, The Rocketeer, when I saw that in theaters. I still think it's the best comic book adaptation movie. That's I feel great. like it's, it's, it did Dave Stevens' work so much justice. Like, I know, I don't feel like anything is translated that well from a comic to a movie hmm. in a while. Because I still get angry at Marvel movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, um, I meant to ask you, and I don't know if you'll you'll answer, but I'll I gladly I, answer. I, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever publicly said that you liked Infinity War. I remember seeing a mm. subtweet. <laughs> I saw a subtweet around the area of Infinity War being released, and I just scratched my my head and meant I to come back to it. I didn't hate it. I'll, I'll go with that. I didn't hate it. I it's thought only it was, five hours long. I think it's... <laughs> I think it's the best that they've done so far uh, for uh, <clears throat> a massive event movie. I'm just kind of bored with it all. Like it's a f- for me, it's a lot of the Marvel movies are kind of forgettable outside of major action scenes. Mm. I feel like they're. <laughs> it's just because I'm a comic fan. That's that's a bigger. Like I was so angry sitting through Civil War because I know what the book was, and so mm-hmm. I was mad they even bothered calling it that. Um, I'm just bored of the Marvel movies and that's really what it is. I'm just kind of, it's, it's got forgettable music. It's, yeah, they, big time. they, they, t- they don't even bother. I feel like with the score of the movies, uh, I don't know, man. The Infinity I, War felt like the first 
a movie where I walked out and I just viewed it as like a big piece of a puzzle where it like this, it was that even a movie? Like yeah. it was just like a series of three hour long events that just progressed a story. And I don't really think it had a beginning or an end. They don't really have beginnings or endings. I mean, no. at least in that one, if they want to consider that like an event movie. And then like even, even remotely being bothered about, you know, the snap with characters disappearing. It's like Spider-Man is not going anywhere. We know, I know. this. Like, like in the theaters, I was like, I, I was like in my nerd bone. I was like, "Did you guys even read Infinity Gauntlet?" <laughs> like, like, this, so do you true. think these characters are dead? What are you shocked about? Like yeah, in, in 2018, with these characters exactly. dying, I just, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm bored. That's what it mm. is. They're just boring now. They're, I feel like they're just a major money machine, and they really are. I mean, good yeah. for them that they can pull this off. But the fact that we've had Civil War and infinity war and these are amazing comics like the story the grandness of them and then we get these you know <laughs> i don't even know what to say like these mm-hmm. tiny these tiny movies like civil war to me is still my favorite uh marvel event that they've done i i was into that so much i thought the story was fantastic and then knowing that they were going to make the movie i was just <clears throat> no I was so frustrated coming into it that he couldn't have made a good movie yeah. to make me happy. That's the thing. <laughs> you weren't going to change my opinion coming into that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the funny thing about DC is they get crapped on for not doing the the MCU like you know uh, plan to plan yeah. out these movies like the pamphlet. <laughs> they don't they don't do that, and they finally kind of accepted it. Now they brand it as the worlds of DC, which mm-hmm. I actually really like and. As much as I didn't like Batman vs. Superman or didn't care to see Suicide Squad, I've had a few people tell me that like they appreciate that, that it's not Marvel and they're doing yeah. their own thing. Like Zack Snyder, you can say whatever you want about Zack Snyder's movies, but like he did his own thing mm-hmm. and it wasn't Marvel, which I right. now I can appreciate more because yeah. now you're just getting the same kind of thing from Marvel. Yeah, for sure. And so much of the DC movies are tra- trash anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm just burnt out on a lot of it, actually. And There's like the five whole, comic book <clears throat> movies a year now. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I liked Wonder Woman a lot. There's points of it I'm like, was kind of bored with. But man, Justice League was trash. Junk. I just, even Suicide Squad was bad. <laughs> and I love Jared Leto. And the Joker is like my favorite DC character. And so, it you just, yeah. What about Joaquin Phoenix? As the Joker. I am so frustrated. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm just mad already that you brought it up and you're recording me mad about it. Thanks to Danny for coming on to the show and talking Star Wars with me for nearly an hour. And maybe this will get you putting in that episode one VHS to see how things look these days. Hmm. Be sure to check out Danny's website and Instagram, uh, which have links in the show notes. And if you're checking out any major conventions this year, check to see if Danny is there. And remember Phantom Menace isn't that bad. Goodbye. <laughs>